My name is Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church at 50 Objects podcast. Hello again, and welcome to History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects, Episode 7, Articles of the Church of Christ. So, just a quick pause in the show. I had a number of messages this week where people asked that I do another Book of Mormon episode, detailing the different editions of the Book of Mormon and covering a number of the truth claims. After I finish the 50 Objects of this podcast, I may revisit some of these episodes and provide more detail, so I guess we'll see. Now, the year is 1830. Today we are going to discuss the day the church was finally organized and an important object tied to that event. But moving along this path of historical context, the Mormon church will be organized in April of 1830. Just one month after that happens, Andrew Jackson, the President of the United States, will sign the famous or infamous Indian Removal Act forcing all American Indians east of the Mississippi, west of it, and away from the expanding Americans. Some of this was peaceful. A lot of it was forced and quite violent. We'll see some of the forced removal from lands echoed upon Mormons in the upcoming years, but before that, we're close to the first Mormon missionaries leaving to preach the gospel. Where would they go? To the Indians, of course. The Book of Mormon taught that some of the American Indians were remnants of the House of Israel, and Joseph would be sending men, now east of the Mississippi, to preach to them. So, back to our story. Let's pretend the date is April 5th, 1830. A year from now, Joseph Smith will receive a revelation where the Lord will compare the growing Mormon church to the story in the Old Testament book of Daniel chapter 2. In it, A vision is had where a stone is cut from the mountain without hands, and the stone rolls down the mountain, knocking down idols and eventually growing and filling the whole earth. If that revelation were indeed to be true, the stone is now cut, and tomorrow it begins to roll down the hill. Our object for this episode is the Articles of the Church of Christ. I would venture to guess that most Mormons aren't familiar with the Articles of the Church of Christ, so let's discuss them. In the year 1959, a Mormon family moved to Ravina, Ohio. Two of the children were high school aged and wanted to take a Spanish class. As there was no formal Spanish class, the principal decided to teach them after school. After a while, the principal discovered that the children were Mormon and told them that he'd had ancestors that were Mormon that had joined the church as early as 1831. Now, here's the interesting part. The principal told them that they'd had a document in the family that they had preserved for four generations from the first days of the church. Later, that principal's father-in-law got sick and they worried he'd die, so they donated this document to the Mormon family, who then sent it to the church headquarters. Turns out the church had found the missing articles of the Church of Christ. So, what are the articles of the Church of Christ? They are about three pages in length, and if you're Mormon, you may recognize an updated version of them as Doctrine and Covenants, section 20. The Articles of Christ were composed by Oliver Cowdery 
under direction of Joseph Smith through Revelation in 1829, so a year before the church gets officially organized. In 1830, Joseph would take these articles and add to them, and that would become section 20. So again, what did the articles of the Church of Christ actually contain? Mormon scriptural commentators in recent years have described the inspired set of instructions in section 20 as a constitution for the restored church. So in much the same way, the articles of the Church of Christ were the earliest general handbook of instructions. So how were they organized? The body of this document was composed of scriptures from the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and interspersed with commentary from Oliver Cowdery. They contain the following. Now, we should note first, most of these details Oliver found in the Book of Mormon, and he quoted scriptural references throughout. First, they explained why baptism was necessary and the proper way to carry out a baptism. Second, why the priesthood ordination was necessary and how one was to be ordained. Third, how the sacrament was to be prepared, how the prayer performed, and how often it was to be taken. Fourth, they explained that church members should meet together often to discuss their progress toward eternal life, morals that members should live by, and how the unrepentant should probably be cast out. And lastly, the articles of the Church of Christ called on all people to take upon them the name of Christ and come forward and walk uprightly before the Lord. So this document will be used to manage all of the initial affairs of the Church. When it eventually becomes Section 20, it was the first revelation canonized by the Church. And in the next few years after the Church was organized, Missionaries will actually carry copies of Section 20 with them while they proselyted and built up the church in different places of the world. So, with Oliver and Joseph Smith having finalized the Articles of the Church of Christ, Joseph calls everyone together to finally organize, or as he referred to it, restore the church. April 6, 1830. Everyone involved in this work to this point is gathered in Peter Whitmer's log home in Fayette, New York. In order to organize a church in New York at this time, the law required six people to be incorporators of the church. So we have Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, Samuel and Hiram Smith, Joseph's brothers, David and Peter Whitmer, Jr., sons of David Whitmer, and again, in whose log house they are now having this meeting, all of them have been baptized at this point by Joseph and Oliver. Aside from those six people, additional friends and family were invited. Different sources say somewhere between 30 to 50 people altogether were there, including Joseph Smith's parents. Now, unfortunately, there are no recorded minutes of the day's events, but we have a rough outline of all the things that actually took place. First off, Joseph Smith, now 24 years old, called the meeting to order, and they opened with what they called a solemn prayer. Next, Joseph asked those incorporators if they all desired to have the church organized, to which they all consented. Then, they were all asked to sustain Joseph and Oliver as presiding officers of the newly organized church. In front of everyone, Joseph then ordained Oliver as an elder of the church, and Oliver ordained Joseph likewise. Now, they had already ordained each other to the priesthood before this meeting, but it was re-performed as part of the organization of the church. 
The sacrament was then provided to all in attendance. At some point during the day, maybe during this meeting, Joseph also received revelation, a landmark revelation, where he was called to be a prophet, seer, translator, and apostle of Jesus Christ, making him officially the first Mormon prophet. Oliver was called as apostle and first preacher, an office he filled by preaching the church's first public sermon on April 11th. They then called out and ordained other of the brethren to different callings in the church. After the additional callings were issued, everyone who had been baptized then received the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, and Joseph Smith recorded that, due to the heavy influence of the Holy Ghost, many of them prophesied while all praised the Lord and rejoiced exceedingly. Later that day, they approached a stream near the cabin. Joseph Knight said they waited until evening due to persecution. The baptisms then took place. All six of the men who were the incorporators were rebaptized, signifying their entry into the Church of Christ. Some of the people that had attended desired to also be baptized, including Joseph Smith's parents. Joseph's mother records that as Joseph stood upon the shore, he took his father by the hand and exclaimed with tears of joy in his eyes, Praise to my God that I have lived to see my own father baptized into the true church of Jesus Christ. Joseph was then so emotionally moved that Joseph Knight said that he had to distance himself from everyone. Joseph Knight described him as the most writ upon that I ever saw man. Joseph Smith Sr. had been investigating churches for years, but hadn't joined any of them. He said now he saw something different in this restored Church of Christ. In Joseph Smith Sr.'s words, a legitimate successor to the apostolic church with prophets, apostles, revelation, and authority were on the earth. Among others baptized that day were Martin Harris and Oren Porter Rockwell. Side note, Rockwell is one of my favorite early Mormons. He is a mixture of pious Mormon and the gunslinging rooster Cogburn from True Grit. We'll discuss more about him in upcoming episodes. So what name did Joseph Smith choose for the newly organized church? He named it the Church of Christ. Now, even though the name Church of Christ wasn't already taken, all the Christian churches around the area called themselves Churches of Christ. So, to avoid confusion as the church began to grow throughout the United States, Joseph started thinking of new names. In 1834, it became the Church of Latter-day Saints. It won't be until 1838 that Joseph receives a revelation where Christ calls the church the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Saints because the New Testament refers to followers of Christ as saints, and Latter-days because of the belief that the world is passing into the last days prior to Christ's second coming. So, what is the name of the church today? It is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, why Mormon Church? Shortly after the church was formed, people who knew that the members believed the Book of Mormon started calling them Mormonites, or eventually Mormons, and the church as the Mormon Church. Now, initially, Joseph Smith and other leaders considered Mormon to be a bit derogatory. The reason being is that Mormon emphasized the Book of Mormon leader, Mormon, and not Jesus Christ, whom they consider the head of the church. Today, the church is established enough that Mormon church is accepted by the members, 
though leadership still prefers Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or Church of Jesus Christ for short. Now, as the church is organized and it starts to grow very quickly, what happened to the articles of the Church of Christ or that first handbook? As they'd become section 20, the church relied on the revelation of section 20 going forward. So the story goes that a few years later, Joseph Smith would be in Missouri with some new members, and maybe by accident, he would leave a pile of original manuscripts in their midst. One of those new members somehow walked off with Oliver's initial draft of the Articles of the Church of Christ, and it would remain in his family for four generations until that kind high school principal in Ohio finally donated them back to the members of the church who sent them to headquarters. If you want to see the originals, they can be found online in the Joseph Smith Papers website or in the Church History Library for viewing. So, the Church of Christ, soon to be known as the Mormon Church, is founded. They now have 11 members. The men have received the priesthood and callings, and Joseph Smith and the members of the church are ready to begin to spread the good word. So, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode on the Articles of the Church of Christ, or the first handbook. If you have questions or comments, you can reach out to me directly at joehomc, historyofmormonchurch at gmail.com. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind taking a minute to rate and review me, it helps a lot. Thanks again.